I tried to avoid like having to make myself cut out a bunch of stuff at the beginning. It's just extra time I have to spend listening to crap and making sure I don't delete anything I need. But yeah, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. And yeah, don't use any of this. This is awful. Yeah. <laughs> and we're never going to get an opportunity to reboot the Twilight Zone. No, they've given it too many tries. Yeah. And uh, it just doesn't take the way it used to. No, I think the problem is that the original Twilight Zone episodes are perfect as they are. Yeah, They, they should just replay those. They still hold up, and they were all written by like actual writers right and not tv writers not just tv writers yeah which is unfortunate uh i think their strike has been resolved though if, uh, yeah from what i've heard that's good for them is sag still on strike yes okay i know that like their concerns were similar but i, I, I don't, don't i assume that they're I'm still working i lied out. i don't know i lied i mean it might not matter because it might all be different by the time anybody listens to this episode anyway. It's true. And also, by that time, they'll have given us our own Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm working with CBS? Yeah. Yeah, I'm working yeah. with CBS. Yeah. We're going to reboot it again. It's, it's, little... it's about time. Yeah, it's... It's been dormant for three years now. It's been dormant for three long years. And... uh I don't know. I just think that I, I think we can handle it better. I've got some ideas. I like the idea of you serving as the Rod Serling character, but instead of like walking around in a suit, it's just you wearing what you normally wear. Yeah, just a ripped up T-shirt and some uh, whatever pants I can find. Ripped up pants or shorts. <laughs> My pants have no. These pants don't have any holes in them. Okay, well I apologize, Jeremy. You have pants that do not have holes in them. Yeah. Um, I have a couple, you know, I don't, yeah. like, to, I don't like to brag, but I do have to defend my honor. Fair enough. Uh, no insults, uh, no intended. Insult. Yeah. So yeah, the twilight zone, we've been there. We're back. Uh, what did we see while we were in the twilight zone? Well, I'll tell you, I saw a man turn into a Jack in the box. Oh, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, it scarred me. And I just need to cool down, I think. I think, honestly, we just need to... We've gotten too close to the to the truth again. I'm covering all these satanic fronts. My dreams have been like all fucked up because I'm under, I think, a cult attack. Oh, well, so, that sucks. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of weeks, and that's why I'm a little rambly and... Uh, draggled <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's been my own personal twilight zone well welcome to the raincoat report yeah with boss and jeremy hello uh in between 
writing scripts for our new Twilight Zone reboot, we've been uh, watching a bit of, you'll be surprised to hear this, pornography and, uh, you know, other sexually charged materials. And perhaps that uh, is a better description of this week's topic, uh, a sexually charged piece of film, uh, more so than full-on pornography. But, uh, you know. Softcore? Yeah. I'll call it that. Sort of. I mean, it's, I think that I would call it, I don't know, it's really on the fence of whether or not I would cat. I would put this in my horror movies or my pornography movies. It's It walks the line. It walks a fine line. It's like uh, trying to classify a Jess Franco film. You don't know where to put it. No. So you file it under F. Yes. For Franco. Yes. I miss that guy. He was a, he was a cool guy. Yeah. We're going to have to... We'll get back to him soon. Well, yeah. We'll get back to him. The change of the year. It'll be Franco February. Weren't we getting rid of Franco February? I don't know. I think... I think maybe... Uh, did we... Did the last one, like, obliterate it? I think that we kind of like at by the end of it, we're just like, yeah, maybe we should just cover Franco's every once in a while and not do a month of them. I can't remember. It's um, it was so long ago. It was eight long months ago, or not even that. Uh, maybe that's why that guy wrote in the letter that he wanted Franco February to come back in some form. He's a very oh. astute listener, and I am not an astute speaker. <laughs> I like the idea that our listeners, and I know this to be true, I guess our listeners would be more in tune with what's happening on the podcast than you would be. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I do not. I know we covered the first of these films we're going to be talking about today last year. Yeah. And I have a very vague recollection of it. This one seems to up the ante in some ways. In some ways, yeah. Yeah. but like I said, my memories of it are hazy at best. I mostly remember that a man with an eye patch just talking a lot. Yes. Yeah, my memory of this film is very hazy. And I watched it like two days ago. So uh, anyhow, yes, uh, this week we are talking about Lust of the Dead 2 or Rape Zombie Lust of the Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, we covered Lust of the Dead last year. And uh, we're covering Lust of the Dead 2 this year. Great. And uh, boy, did we ever. So this is uh, from the same director as the original film, Naoyuki Tomomatsu. Uh, There are some returning characters from the original. Did you know that? I caught on to that as I watched the film. They're not primary characters so it didn't really matter that much i kind of did the thing where i opened the imdb pages for both and was like wait are any of these people that were in the original and it was at it was not the main characters like i thought they might have been but uh there were other characters well you know the story goes on even when those people leave the stage that's true and it's how you expand a universe is following different characters Mm -hmm. uh but it made my life harder because I was trying to figure out who was the returning characters. And I think I have it all sorted out. But it's it's hard because 
Uh, in fact, there were very few characters named in this movie. Uh, so me trying mm-hmm. to keep track of who was who was pretty difficult after a while. I kind of figured it out, I think, but there's just there's just a bunch of people talking to each other, so I think there's a lot of me just calling people that guy, and that's actually a theme for the next few episodes we're recording. You really shouldn't give away all the trade secrets right up front. <laughs> I guess that's true. No, uh, uh, there's definitely one returning character that I remember, or aforementioned Eyepatch Man comes back. See, uh, I didn't catch that that was somebody from the original. He's in the opening credits, like, just yelling about the all the rape. Oh, was he the guy on TV? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's I get him. It. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That makes Christ. sense. Okay, we're going to have to start watching these movies together. Well, he interacts... Well, I was going to say that he interacted with main characters in this, but I don't think he did. He interacted with another character that I thought was going to be a main character main character and maybe they are in the next i don't we'll get into that there's next, no point. next year we'll figure out yeah. <laughs> the resolution to that but uh this year we've already got quite a lot to go on i must uh, say so yeah uh for those who may not have been paying attention this is five weeks of fright that uh we're going through and this is yeah. week three this is our third week of fright our uh, fourth film that we covered because last week at patreon.com slash raincoat report we covered uh, the work of three generations of Braun in the possession of Mrs. Hyde. Yeah, we learned that brains are better than Braun. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, we'll say that the Brauns were not known for their brains. And uh, I, I don't know. That's not necessarily true. You're so rude. <laughs> that was a lot that was a lot meaner that was out of pocket that was out of pocket i'm gonna apologize to the entire brawn legacy at this point okay thank you uh lassa brawn yeah. you did it with the hook i could never say anything bad about you no uh axel brawn made ghostbusters you made American ghostbusters you, you were the one who correctly rebooted ghostbusters yeah you did it right and uh ricky brawn the third generation Braun, I don't know anything about you, but uh, I appreciate that you're a third generation perv. He sounds like he drives a race car. Oh, yeah, probably. It's a good race car driver name, Ricky Braun. Yeah, I'm definitely, I would, I would watch, I think I might watch NASCAR if Ricky Braun was a yeah. driver. Well, he's European, so you could watch Formula One. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like the shape of those cars better. I think it's. I don't know the difference between them otherwise. I think you don't go on a circle. I think it's more of a speed racer thing where you're like going around mountain curves and shit. Yeah. Um, I think Ricky Braun could win the uh, the Grand Prix. Everything I know about Formula One, I learned from pole position. Yeah. Mostly <laughs> learned about just crashing into a random brick wall. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's our apology to the Braun family, and soon enough we'll have to apologize to the island nation of Japan. Oh, yes, and so before we go any further, five bucks a month, you get two bonus episodes, uh, two extra movies we're covering on our five weeks of Fright. Yeah. Of Fright, so we get six, seven weeks? It's seven, it's still five weeks, but... Well, yeah, seven films in five weeks. Yes. And uh, we, in fact, might have uh, something Halloween-y... 
following five weeks of fright on our patreon that's true but we'll get to that in a couple weeks or like a month or something whenever you hear this (laughs) it'll be in the works yes uh speaking of things that are in the works uh our episode on lust of the dead 2 has been getting a great uh rave response at this point by the people currently listening to it yeah they love it This is one of the most disorganized intros I think we've ever done. I don't know. I think it's fine. I, you're right. There's probably been five, at least, that were worse. It's okay what they're disorganized at the beginning, because, you know, we take a little break, we regroup, and then we come back stronger than ever. Yes. So it doesn't Team matter. work makes the dream work. Yes, it does. <laughs> and so does your $5 a month. Yes. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to take a little break. Uh, I don't think there's much call to mention many of the actors here that we're not truly familiar with. Yes. Uh, suffice to say, they do a fine job, and we'll see how it all unfolds uh, yes. in about a minute and a half. Yes, so uh, we'll be back, and we will tell you a little bit more about Lust of the Dead 2. It was just me shaking. It wasn't um, <laughs> the spirit. Guy. It wasn't the spirit world trying to <laughs> suck the house into a hole. I know it is October, and we're enjoying some delicious lining kugels Oktoberfest to uh, really get in the mood. But this is a pretty good beer. It's not bad. I wish it came in more than a six pack. I feel like yeah. it's it's real easy drinking. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to drink a ton of them, but I feel like I could. Right. Well, we're probably gonna drink like three of them. Yeah. At least, so. Yeah. Well, what if your house wasn't a pit that was full of skeletons? I'd be pretty bummed. Yeah, you're still making payments on this house, I think. Yeah, uh, I certainly am for like another 25 years or something. Yeah, you're trapped here. Yeah, this house will be my tomb. Yeah, this house kind of is a pit. (laughs) This kind of house is a pit of ghosts, isn't it? Uh, Well... It's okay. It's a season of fright, so that's okay. That um, that's okay. It's that all haunted. right. It is just the season of fright. Yeah, that's you know. I'm been bought a rhyming dictionary, and it's just I've been reading it every night before bed. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Just reading words. I just read the words that rhyme. Um, and then they kind of bounce around my brain all night. And the next day, uh, I'll just, you know, kind of drop a couple stanzas quite by accident. We'll see if it recurs throughout the episode. <laughs> we'll see. It probably will have never happen again. Um, well, you know, it's not like an all day thing. Oh, you just have spells of it. Yeah. It's like a sort of a, a, a sort of a, like a, a, fit? Tur- a, yeah, like a Tourette. It's kind of like a tick. Yeah. Um, break into little bouts of uncontrollable rhyming. 
touched. I, I appreciate that you haven't tried to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come naturally. All right, fair enough. Uh, so, Lust of the Dead 2 opens with uh, TV footage establishing the world. I think most of it's taken from the original film. I think this might be an actual trilogy, unlike many of the trilogies we cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're only like an hour each. You could probably just watch it all in one. Maybe that's what we should have done. Maybe. But we didn't. No. Nope. Now you're going to learn about Lust of the Dead 2, and if you're lucky in a year, you'll learn about Lust of the Dead 3. <laughs> Well, we were doing taboo films a year apart for a little bit. That's true. Well, you know, I, I'm, the secular world might not appreciate it, but I still, you know, I keep the holidays in my heart. Oh. Yeah. Halloween, Mother's Day, etc. I'm not going to bend the rules just to be popular, just to fit in. I respect uh, the calendar. I respect Julian. Is that the one we had? Which calendar are we? Gre- I respect Gregory. <laughs> I think we're on the Gregorian calendar. I think so. I don't respect Julian at all. I will spit on him. So uh, we're seeing this TV footage from the original. Uh, they mentioned North Korea declaring war on Japan. Uh, the toxic men roaming the streets. Um. Oh yeah, that's worth mentioning, of course, that the uh, zombie-like creatures in this are the toxic men. Yeah, they are men who have become just overcome with their desire to rape women. Yes, so they uh, they attack women, and the women that they rape uh, die soon afterwards. Yes, becoming infected with lots of marker strokes. <laughs> Yeah. Just like a series of like, uh, it looks like a series of like veins that are just drawn on with permanent marker. Yeah. I think the idea maybe is that their, their veins are turning black or whatever. Yeah. It's, uh, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You know, this movie does a lot with a little, I'm going to say. Yeah. I'll let boss talk about it though. Uh, we see, and I think this is more footage from the original, a woman yell out, we have no choice but to cut off their dicks, yeah. uh, just as we get our title card, uh, because that is how you uh, kill these zombies. They are rape zombies, though, so it's entirely fair. It's all in yeah, self-defense. It makes sense. I, I guess all zombie killing is in self-defense, ultimately. Uh, yes. So, we get a bunch more... Or is that just what we like to tell ourselves? I think that... Any sort of, uh, I mean, generally speaking, zombies are going to attack you, so it would be self-defense. I mean, unless you're just making assumptions. I think you're making some assumptions. I'm making assumptions? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. You're right. We've never seen real zombies. We've only seen them in fiction. That's true. And it's all it biased. could all be propaganda. It's all biased against the, the dead. So what do you think about that? I think you've turned me around. Okay, well, you need to turn, you need to do a full 360 and get the fucking, or you do a 180. <laughs> what was it? They call it an Xbox 360 because when you see it, you turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, anyway, 
please do a 180 and save this show. Okay, we cut to some candles being lit and some bowls being laid out, and it seems a woman's laying out dinner, joined by her husband, uh, who is Shinji. Uh, the wife, I think it's named like towards the end of the movie. I don't remember what it is. But uh, apparently it's a special dinner because it's their anniversary. Which uh, Shinji reveals to his wife, and she's very surprised by this. Did you mention that Japan had or Tokyo had just been nuked? Uh, oh yeah, that's an important part. Yeah, of this. <laughs> I think like right after the title card, Tokyo just gets blown up. Yes. Uh, well, okay. So it's nice though that even in the ruins, they can find a way to celebrate. Yeah, it's important to celebrate things like anniversaries. Yeah. Express your love. Yeah. I can't believe they nuked Japan again. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It ain't right. They're just going to get another Godzilla. They're going to get Rape Godzilla. Oh, shit. And who wants that? (laughs) Man. That's the uh, like antagonist of like the next Pacific Rim film. Oh damn! Or like the porn, or at least the porn parody. Pacific Rim job. Yeah, let's get call Axel Braun, call Ricky if he's not busy with his cars. I want to see if we can get Guillermo del Toro on board too. I think he would be into it, and I'm also going to see if we can get the Toho Company in, just so we can get the. <laughs> The Godzilla trademark. I think we need to bring all the heavy hitters in <laughs> on this one. I love this. Yeah. This too. is this is why we're... This is, ideas like this are the reason why we're rebooting the Twilight Zone. Yeah, this is... Well, I mean, that's not going to be on the show, but... No, but the CBS company saw our uh, creative vision. Yeah. Uh, the Paramount Corporation. The... Uh... The Viacom... Cabal. Cabal. (laughs) Uh, Shinji's wife asks him how they're going to make it in this world, and he tells her that he'll protect her, and they embrace. But they hear a sound, so Shinji grabs a knife and a baseball bat and goes to investigate. Shinji peeks out the front door, keeping it chained, and sees nothing out there. But unfortunately, back in the kitchen... His wife has her back to a boarded-up window, which soon bursts open and she's fondled by a zombie. He grabs her breasts a bit before throwing her to the ground and starting to try to rape her. Shinji rushes in and stabs the zombie and slams it in the head with a baseball bat repeatedly until it is beheaded. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. This one's got some, uh, this one's got some good gore in it. Yeah. Uh, all the zombie effects practical effect costumes are pretty good they look real nasty and like hamburgery yeah kind of like uh like the zombie in a creep show that first segment oh yeah 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 he's real maggoty and gross looking a lot like that yeah it's pretty cool it is this however does not stop the zombie from trying to do its business as the woman points out the toxic men don't die from decapitation She grabs a knife and plunges it into the zombie dick until the zombie finally stops and collapses atop her. She suggests that they escape, and Shinji is quickly in agreement. So, 
we see our couple wandering the ruined streets, mm-hmm. which is a CG post-apocalyptic Tokyo. Yes. Uh, everything's ruined. Everything's gray and, you know, blown up. We then see a group of guys with zombies on chains uh, in the apartment that we just left. They find the beheaded zombie and are asking where the murderer may be. Another guy tells him that they saw a quote-unquote 3D woman who is walking down the street holding hands with a man. So this is one of multiple groups of otaku in the film. Yes, one of our many factions. So the otaku, first off, is a uh, a Japanese social trope, I guess. Yeah, a, uh, it's like a category. It's basically like how the... The anime nerds of Japan are categorized. Yeah, shut-ins. Yeah, they're Oddballs. not not super uh, not super social. They're really into like anime and manga and video games and stuff like that. Uh, but in the world of Lust of the Dead, their uh, lack of social interaction and lust for women, I guess. Well, three D women. Three D women, yes has uh, made them immune from this disease that's going around and turning everybody else into a rape zombie. But yeah, this uh, this group of otaku are walking around with two zombies on chains. The men mention that they don't want that real 3D woman to find the Amazon group nearby. They question whether the man she's with is an otaku, uh, but they don't believe so, noting that a 3D woman wouldn't hold hands with an otaku. Mm-hmm. We then cut to a woman in a kimono being chased upstairs by some toxic men. We cut back to our group of guys in the apartment trying to wrap their heads around the idea that there's a couple running around and they want to try to find them. They radio another group of dudes who are the ones who have set loose the zombies on the woman who's climbing up the stairs. Their buddies radio them, telling them that there's a couple headed their way. This delights this group, though the original group cautions them that the couple have already killed a zombie, but they don't seem too concerned about this. They have Takashi. Yes. We see the woman being chased up the stairs collapse on the floor in exhaustion. As the zombie catches up with her, we see his three-foot-long drippy penis as he charges towards her. It's also, like, split into, like, quarters. Yes. It's very strange and uh, unpleasant to look at. Yes. The guys back in the apartment are comparing women to cockroaches. Uh, and we cut back to our zombie who unwraps the woman's kimono and starts to pull it open, grabbing her breasts and reaching down to her crotch as she struggles. He eventually exposes her ass, slaps it, and then starts to fuck her in standing doggy style as she screams. The leader of the men in the apartment seems disgusted with the photo of the couple they find, but then he looks out the window, uh, hearing the sound of helicopters, seeing that U.S. troops are coming in. Back with the other group with the zombie... Uh, the group of men who set the zombie loose catch up with them as uh, he's banging the woman in the kimono. These guys also hear the helicopter, but don't stop watching the zombie action. And eventually this uh, toxic man finishes and we see this woman's veins blacken. 
Yes. And she crumbles to the ground, coughing up black sludge. Yeah. And uh, that's what happens when you get caught by these toxic men. You don't want it. You no. don't want to go down. You don't want to. You don't want it to go down that way. Yeah. That's why it's important to carry a knife and not wear a kimono. Yes. It can be easily caught by the the little thing that wraps around it. Yeah. And gets spun <laughs> around and around and around <laughs> by a zombie making pig noises. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this uh, zombie's real nasty looking, as I said before, and I appreciate that. Yes, uh, it's not something you're going to be pretty attracted to, no. typically. No, this is, a, this is a film for perverts. Real, true perverts. Like our audience. Like our audience. We watch our choppers fly overhead in CG form. And we cut to the couple walking around the post-apocalyptic streets, pointing out the CG chopper overhead as an opportunity for rescue. We then see someone parachute from the chopper and land. It's a blonde woman. She's surrounded by a gang of guys who point guns at her, and we see her robot vision analyzing the scene a la Terminator. Yeah, she's a, she's a Terminator. Yeah. Made by the U.S. Department of Defense. Yep. She, in English, starts to communicate with them, but they don't understand until she converts to Japanese language and speaks Japanese to them. Frankly, I didn't understand most of her English either, (laughs) so I'm glad she went back. She explains that this is a rescue mission and the helicopter overhead has supplies and leadership in Osaka approved this mission from U.S. troops. The leader of the guys tells her, this isn't Japan anymore, it's now the... Akiba Empire. They tell her they'll take the supplies, but they won't allow any security missions. The guys set loose their chain zombies who swarm the robot woman and begin to grope her, though she doesn't react. We cut to the other group of guys who sets loose the zombie with the giant cock onto the couple who go running. So we cut back to the group of guys who's... uh, who have set loose their zombies onto the robot woman. She holds her hand up, which sparks with electricity, leading her to hilariously zap the two zombies. Yeah, she blasts them good. The group of guys fire their machine guns at her, leading to just metal clanging sounds as their bullets hit her. The leader of the guys goes after her with a sword, which she bends with her hands, before... Using her laser eyes to cut the dude in half. <laughs> yeah, and guts just flow and flow out of him. Yes, uh, this... Press of feet. Yeah, it's like 10 seconds worth of just guts flowing out of yeah. him. Uh, yeah, this one really hits the gore mark. Like, it, I understand where you would uh, have to, like, kind of struggle to classify this between, like, I guess, sexploitation and uh, horror. Yes. Uh, similar to hard gore. So yeah. That one is definitely, you know, there's more, that one's straight up porn when it's not just uh, slicing and dicing. There's not a lot of story to that one. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. this one. You can't see me, but I'm slicing and dicing with my hands. <laughs> so the other guys stare at their uh, cut in half friend, which is a bad idea. She opens her mouth and incinerates them with her flame cannon. Yeah, very wide. This <laughs> movie mixes uh digital effects and practical effects really well i think yeah Uh, like the digital effects aren't great 
but uh, it's cool that like 90% of this film is in front of like a just ruined Tokyo green screen. Yeah. Uh, so she leaves a bunch of charred skeletons in her wake. Then she uses her robo vision to confirm everyone and everything around her is dead. We cut to the couple being harassed by the big dick zombie who is uh, spurting goo. A woman in military outfit fires at the zombie and takes it out. It's the group of Amazon women who the otaku earlier said they didn't want uh, the couple to find. They say this is their territory and they don't allow otaku there, pointing at Shinji. But then they realize that uh, Shinji is not an otaku. The guys gather up the zombie, noting that it got shot in just one testicle, so it's still useful, and they take off. They assure the women as they're leaving that they'll get their payback. The Amazon women are shocked to find a man who's not an otaku virgin. They note that they can accept the wife, but they're not sure they can accept Shinji. They explain the Amazon camp has food and resources and does research to find the cause of toxic man syndrome. We see the U.S. robot woman walking the streets. She's stopped by a man in an eye patch and robe who engages her in conversation, mentioning she's impressive technology, asking her if she's got a G-spot, and asking her about her mission. The guy offers her assistance, noting the TV and the internet are down, Uh, Yes, this is our eyepatch man from the first film. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, He asks her what's going on in the world, and she tells him that about 90% of men became toxic and uh, began raping women who died. This whole scene, to me, is great because they are just in front of a green screen, and they have to pretend to walk and talk for quite a while. She tells him that they can only be stopped by destroying their testicles. Apparently, the world population has dropped to about 100 million people. We see a soup line in the Amazon camp. A bunch of women are in line chatting. The women are startled, though, as they see a man there who's not creepy or toxic. Uh, There's great interest amongst the Amazon camp in Shinji as he's brought in. We cut to a toxic man strapped to a bed, covered in electrodes, shaking around. Uh, He's another one of those giant penis uh, guys. Yeah, and he's kind of been dissected a bit, it looks like. Yeah, and he's also uh, got a bunch of wires coming out of his dick. Yeah, that's well, that's how they're like powering him. They're trying to get him to full erection, as we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, there's some science back and forth between the doctors there before the soldier ladies bring Shinji and his wife there Uh, the doctors in this room are delighted as well to see a normal man Uh, the doctors tell Shinji that their examination of him will need to wait as they're about to talk to this toxic man this is an experiment to communicate with them the doctors turn some knobs and coming out of a nearby speaker we hear the voice begging for more pussy. Yeah, that's all he wants. They ask if that's all he can think of, and he explains it can't be helped. He was born male, and if women won't allow sex, rape is the only option. Yeah, he's got some regressive views. Yes, he does. One of the doctors asks the zombie about social imperatives and laws. 
He responds that rape goes back millions of years and has only been illegal for like 5,000 of them. He says that you can't beat ancient history. One doctor asks him about love, and he explains rape is how they show love. They ask him about the trauma of their victims, and he asks, what about his feelings? Adding the rate of suicide is three times higher in men. He says until women take responsibility for men's suicide, men shouldn't be blamed for rape. Uh, The incel manifesto. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like... You can just see, like, a lot of that stuff, like, written online pretty much anywhere. Uh, Yeah. A lot of it was, I think, coming to a head, like, around when these films were made, too, I feel like. Okay. Uh, Because this is 2013, and I don't know how much you followed, like, stuff like Gamergate or whatever, but that, like, happened, like, right after this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, a lot of, like, people just, like going crazy about men's rights and, and cells and stuff. And, uh, I don't know. This film almost feels like it was like made by like a Chan board in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, uh, I could see that. Like it has, I think ultimately it's probably more interesting than anything they would create. I think that would probably just be like a lot more hate filled. Right. Like, uh, cause I don't think you're meant to like really empathize with the zombie here. Uh, no. that doesn't seem to be the case at least. Uh, but I do like this scene though. It reminds me of, uh, return of the living dead when they have that one, like half zombie kind of strapped down. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I need brains. I'm in pain. And, uh, you know, like some like day of the dead type stuff with, uh, them kind of like running experiments on a captured one. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a uh, movie, uh, has a lot more going forward than the first one. I think. Okay. The, the zombie whines about having a boner and how hard it is not to get laid. He starts screaming about how he needs to bang and bang and bang. They turn get a off- close up on the con. It's beautiful. <laughs> Bring me a prick. Yeah, some of those, you know, stuff like that. They turn off the speakers and the zombie growls and moans more. We then see a sign for the Empire of Akiba, surrounded by a bunch of. Uh, manga girl drawings and stuff yeah this is where all the otaku live Mm -hmm. they've all gathered here the eye patch guy is talking to the robot lady he's talking about how in japan the number of men to women is 50 50 or more and goes on to explain in a study by a condom maker the rate of sex in japan was the lowest in the world less than half the frequency of the top countries in the world He goes on to surmise that Japanese men are getting laid the least, and Japanese women are the most stuck-up in the world. He goes on to talk about Japanese prostitutes, massage parlors, and hostesses, but women prefer successful men. In summary, he believes this is why the male survival rate has been so high in Japan. So many Japanese men are unlucky and rarely sexual. Oh yeah, this is that that, uh, Shinzo Abe guy was always on about before he got shot oh yeah yeah he's like we need to have more sex we need to get those birth rates up yeah Uh, and then he got shot because he was a toxic man zombie oh well (laughs) that's how it happened we cut to the amazon camp people are sleeping one guard lady relieves the other 
having to be a bit forceful and telling her to go to bed despite her saying that she can't sleep. We see the doctors interviewing Shinji. They're talking about his blood work. They explain he's one of the last normal men in the world. His wife mentions the otaku men who attack them. The doctors explain the otaku aren't toxic, but they haven't figured out exactly why. Adding, they are creepy and useless though, so not a part of their research. The doctors add, what's so special about him is he isn't toxic, nor an otaku, nor a virgin. They want a sperm sample from Shinji, suggesting to gather it the next time they have sex and to get it to them within three hours. Seems like they could have, uh, you know, had that happen here, you know? Yeah. Being a, kind of an adult film and all. Film for adults. The doctors say that the sergeant is allowing the couple to stay there, but they tell Shinji he must not make contact with the other refugees. They're concerned that everyone else there is very interested in Shinji. We cut to a doctor in an office who's interrupted by a knock at the door. She answers it and is introduced to Shinji and Maki, his wife. So yes, his wife's name is Maki. There you go. About three quarters of the way through, we learn her name. <laughs> the woman here is Nozomi, who was in the original film. The couple walks into uh, their room nearby and marvels at the empty chamber with a cot. Uh, Maki pulls out the sperm sample collector pack they were handed and asks Shinji uh, if they should go ahead and use that, but Shinji's tired and lays down. We cut to some of the Amazon soldier ladies making out, which quickly evolves into some breast fondling and some licking. One of the soldiers fingers the other, who says it feels good. The woman doing the fingering promises to make the other come, but that woman notes that's unfair and gets on her knees and starts to eat the other girl out from behind. There's a joke about one being the other's superior, and they decide to come together, making out as they finger one another. Another soldier walks by, noticing that there's nobody on lookout. We cut back to the guy with the eye patch, talking to the robot woman soldier. She's uh, a cyborg. Yeah. Or an android. I don't know. I get them all mixed up. He's talking to her about Zen, samurai code, patriarchs in history. Yeah, it goes into some detail. Yeah, they mention old works of Japanese sexual visual art, then talk about modern hentai art. Yeah. The android lady seems to know a little bit about this stuff. I guess she was programmed with a general knowledge of art history. I guess. That would help her carry out her, pro her mission. Sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> he talks about the otaku spirit and their Zen method of, of achieving enlightenment. He adds, this is how they avoided toxic male syndrome. We cut to a different place in the otaku camp, and there's a bunch of rumors about the Amazon women. They also talk about Momoko, who is also in the first. Yes. We then cut to a man addressing an audience of other men, uh, an audience of otaku, in fact, noting that they're celebrating having killed 13 3D women. And they were going to allow photography for just 30 minutes. The man steps away and uh, the woman, Momoko, is there, unconscious in a chair. She gets swarmed by photographers. 
We get a weird montage here where a bunch of people are like posing her in different positions and taking pictures of her. She's like, uh, she's like they're like kind of like pop idol or something like that. Yeah. They mention her singing a song, but obviously she's in no state to uh, regale us with a beautiful chant. Yeah, not yet at least. No. Uh, but yeah, a cutesy J-pop song plays in the background, and uh, overall the sequence is kind of disturbing in a in a entertaining way, because mm-hmm. uh, she's being like just put in a bunch of positions unconscious, and everybody's like super happy taking pictures. Yeah, they love her. The, she's, uh... the poppy music and stuff. It's a good juxtaposition. Yeah, these guys are freaks. We cut to a man addressing an audience of otaku. Oh, are we going to skip over the baby? What baby? The glowing uh, baby that she has. This sounds familiar. I don't... I guess you didn't write it in your notes. She has, like, near her, like, in that room is a... Uh, it's like a little, like, a, a crib or, like, one of those, like, like a carrier. Okay. And there's, like, a glow coming out of it. Oh. And then they're like, oh, let him... I think they name it like Akira or something like that. And they like have her like pose to hold it. Oh yeah. I definitely did not put that in my notes, but now that you say that, I remember that, that character, that baby, I believe is from the first film. Oh, okay. I think it's, I believe it's from like the ending. Like there's, she had gotten impregnated maybe by a toxic man or something like that. And, or maybe by an otaku. I'm not. I can't quite remember. It's it's been a while, but uh, they produce this beautiful glowing child. I probably should have at least like read the uh, IMDb <laughs> summary of, of the, the first, first one. I don't think so. <laughs> like these are like you're only getting to like these characters you saw before, like most of the way through the film. Yeah, I don't think it really would have helped you too much. Anyway, no, not really. I'm here to help. So we cut to a man addressing... That baby's going to save us all, I think. (laughs) We cut to a man addressing an audience of otaku, talking about being bullied by women and how 3D women ignore them. He goes on to tell them that they don't need sex with 3D women. They have anime, manga, and video games. He tells them they know about true love. He gets these incels whipped into a frenzy as he talks about making women extinct. We cut to the guy with the eye patch staring at the uh, robot soldier woman as she stares towards the otaku colony. We then see Nozomi looking at pictures on her computer. It's a picture of Momoko she's looking at as she says, Momoko. Then she starts to fondle her breasts over her blouse before unbuttoning her blouse and rubbing her breasts over her bra. We get cutaways to her and Momoko getting naked and grinding, I believe from the first film. We see Nozomi's breasts out and her continuing to squeeze them and tweak her nipples. She plays with herself over her panties before reaching into them. We see a man peeking through a curtain watching Nozomi. We then cut to the Amazon soldier women who are still getting each other off. Another soldier stops to watch them for a moment before walking away. We cut to Maki watching Shinji sleep, and then cut back to Nozomi, disheveled, assuming she just got off here. She once again says, Momoko. 
And then we get to be continued on the screen. Yeah, that's a weird place to leave your cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we get scenes from the next one with women fighting, men peeping, zombies being zombies, Shinji seemingly going mad, a swarm of zombies being gunned down by the Amazons, Momoko singing for a crowd, and a bunch more weird stuff. Yeah, and so you all have that to look forward to in a year. Yeah. <laughs> and so do we, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, that was Lust of the Dead 2. I guess that'll do it, won't it? Yep, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Lust of the Dead 2. go to hell no i will take you with me together plunging into the inferno yeah well that's pretty cool yeah that's basically what this podcast is it's been going on for we've been falling for a while yes uh but (laughs) we're nowhere near the bottom yet nope we're on our way and uh one of the steps on the way was lust of the dead too are we falling downstairs (sighs) yes Shit. (laughs) Uh, We're definitely going to die when we hit the bottom. That's fine. But uh, it's time once again for... The Raincoat Review. (laughs) You think he'll be down there waiting for us? Uh, Yes, for sure. Good. I hate uh, that guy. (laughs) What's his name? John (laughs) Kassir? Yeah, fuck him. (laughs) I don't know why you'd say that after all this time. <laughs> but no, yes, we are going to take him to hell with us. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it. Well, he's going to meet us there. I'll see you in hell, John Kassir. <laughs> there we go. I worked that one around. Well, this is a pretty good sequel to a film I really don't remember watching. I'll say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this one has a... a a bit more going forward. If I remember that one, it was kind of more straightforward, uh, like zombie attack stuff. Like they were trying to get to like a safe spot. There's kind of being pursued by toxic men. Uh, there's a lot of talk in it. Uh, quite literally, there's like a panel talk show that goes over a lot of the gender politics stuff that we kind of get some more of in here. Yeah. Though this one feels decidedly more uh, anti-feminist than the other ones. But once again, I, I don't think you're meant to like empathize with that viewpoint. No, I mean they're definitely the they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. So I I don't feel like that warn, makes. He's got to tell people though. Sometimes you know they get confused. I would say that I wouldn't consider this film anti-feminist, but no. I would say that it, it's definitely part of the storyline of the film. Right? Yeah, it's definitely. This, I feel like the the 
in the first one they had like more women there making their case. Yeah. You don't get you don't get many rousing speeches from the women in this one, but you get the guys are talking a whole lot. I would say that one of the weaknesses of this film is the fact that the first film you followed a group of characters and they talk to each other a lot more Mm -hmm. and so i felt like it was a lot more focused on a group of people that you could try to empathize with yeah and i think this one just went in a bunch of different directions at the same time it's got various factions it it definitely feels like it's setting up for whatever is going to happen in number three yeah but uh it's fun getting there i like this cyborg woman i wish there had been more of her just uh blowing people up with their laser hands yeah if this was the end of the series like she literally was a pointless character other yeah. than leading to those cool gore sequences yeah she spends the rest of her time just talking to that guy his words come on screen and flash like images i oh, assume yeah, that's yeah. meant to be like in her memory banks i guess i don't know or, or uh just an interesting editing choice either way that's a thing that happens in this film that we uh, didn't cover, but uh, it feels worth pointing out. Yeah. I'm going to assume that that's all like Terminator, RoboCop, Vision stuff. Uh, but yeah, they went over, they went above and beyond getting some solid gore in this one. This one definitely, I think, leans more on the horror side of things than the sexual. Yeah. But uh, that's okay. That's what this month is about. You know, the rest of the year, we don't see zombies with giant dicks explode. That's true. And this is the time of year for that, if there's any. That's uh, why they call it the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. Uh, I would give this one a nice three and a half. It's building to something good. Uh, I don't think it's like an amazing film on its own merits, but there are a lot of uh, interesting ideas and... Uh, Quite a lot of, uh, I think, love for the project on the screen. Okay. You know, uh, in the, uh, it's obviously like a low budget affair, low budget ish. Right. Uh, but it seems like everyone's having a pretty good time spraying guts everywhere and pointing fake guns at a green screen. Yeah. And, uh, that's, we need more of that in film. Yeah, you're probably right about that. So they need to get off their damn asses and get off strike and go make, or while you're on strike, make some fun films with your friends. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but get off your ass. <laughs> uh, three and a half stars. Rape Zombie 2. Lust of the Dead. Yeah, I'll say that, um, yeah, this film for me, it was hard to really get into. I feel like it was trying to tell a bunch of stories at the same time, which I assume like all of those stories eventually get a payoff in three or I don't know if there were even more films that this was dragged out across, but it'll be cool if nothing gets any payoff. (laughs) That'll be even better. But, uh, I mean, there's like six of these films or something. So, uh, there's plenty of opportunity for things to be fleshed out. But anyway, because they were just like kind of getting the storylines going in this film, um, I would say that overall I wasn't incredibly satisfied with it because there's not really a uh, resolution to it. Yeah. I'll say that, you know, that was the intention of the film, I guess. So, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but I'd still say as somebody who watched it, it just left me wanting. Um, the gore scenes were really cool. Um, there's a little bit of eroticism in the sex scenes here. Attractive cast. I just think that as a story, it sets a bunch. It sets a bunch of stuff up. Doesn't really get enough time to develop the characters very well. But there was a lot of cool effects and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm gonna give it a two and a half. That's fair. Uh, it's. I might think of it more as like a three or a three and a half once I see the follow up to it. Yeah. But judged solely on its own merit, I give it a two and a half. Yeah. Maybe I'm more immersed in like the terrible sides of like internet culture and that kind of thing. So maybe that adds maybe, a little bit yeah. to it for me that you don't quite get from like all the talking. But uh, just like seeing all this stuff on a screen that I've like just read like the worst people on the internet say, I'm like, huh. Like so it's really it, quite a film. You're, you're really dialed into the satire of it, I guess. I suppose so, yes. Also, I'm learning that these films at one point in 2014 or so were on Netflix. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they need to really bring Netflix back to the old days. Yeah. When uh, Don't spend $200 million putting the rock in something. Spend a million dollars and get the Lust of the Dead trilogy. Yeah. Come on, you cowards. Yeah. Just, don't... like, get it and then, like, promote the hell out of it. Yeah, put it right up at the top when I get in. I want to... You want it to be already playing in, I the want second. the little loop to start yeah. of, like, the pig squealing zombie and his big dick just spraying <laughs> everywhere. Okay? <laughs> That's the first thing that should happen when I log into Netflix. Yes. Take me back. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's as good a way as any to end the episode this week. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter or X or whatever at Raincoat Report, raincoatreport at gmail.com if you want to email us, patreon.com slash raincoatreport, and if you're gonna go charging through the post-apocalyptic streets of Japan, definitely protect your holes and don't forget your raincoat. <laughs> Gross. Oh, Mark Graham. Uncle Grambo.